Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, this morning we're in the third part of a series, like I said earlier, um, that we talked about called Playing in the Rain. And with that, we're looking at embracing the Lordship, the reign of God, of Jesus in our lives. And so many times, that can be something we're real reluctant to do. We get it when we, when we hear that, that God is, is, a, is, is a friend, that God is, a, is even a savior. We've had times where we needed somebody to bail us out, and we can identify with with connecting and grabbing a hold of some of these places. We understand when we need, when we need a healer. We understand on this. We've gone to a doctor for that. It makes sense that we can also go to God and look to, and look to Him. We know how to, 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 to reach out to that. But one of the things we have a hard time with is recognizing we need a Lord. That we need one. We need God. We need Jesus to be Lord of our lives. And, and that's something we tend to push back on. Man, I, I was sitting there and getting to, getting to raise seven kids. Man, the, one of the first things that as they're growing that they recognize is, is they start saying, oh, I can do it myself. It doesn't take long for a kid. You don't have to coach them and teach them to say, I can do it myself. They just start saying, I can do this myself. I can handle this. And some of that is a natural thing to grow in independence, and it's a beautiful thing. But if we don't watch it, it can end up being a life motto that we push everything out, and we, rec- and we all of a sudden begin to, to push God out, and we don't let him be Lord because we're fearful of giving up that place because we think that somehow we're going to lose. And I really want us to understand that the Lordship the reign of God in our lives is something we can play in. It's something that's beautiful and it's wonderful and we can give our whole lives to it. And we keep looking at this concept. If you've got your version app open, you've got your notes, you just follow along right here. That letting Jesus be Lord in our lives is the most liberating thing we can do. It's not bondage. It is liberating. And the, the truth is, is that's the only place we find real freedom. We can try to do it on our own, and we find ourselves making things worse. We can try to go. We feel like we have this need. Man, I really need to be free. This thing shouldn't be a bondage in my life. This thing shouldn't be holding me back. And we try to get free, and we end up making things worse when we don't do it according to him. Let him be the one to lead us into that. My grandfather had told me lots of stories, and and I tell you my papa stories on on a regular basis, and my papa, one of his jobs that he did through life um, was the old school milkman, where he had a milk route and took milk to your house and got the old bottles and put the new one. People even left the house open or left him a key, and he'd go and put the milk inside the refrigerator. And I mean, this was this was Amazon Prime on like steroids. I mean, Amazon Prime cannot stick it in your cupboard, and the milkman could take care of that. I mean, it was. It, it, was, it was done. And so my papa on his milk routes was, you know, was, would try to be helpful. You know, somebody would leave a door open. You know, he would fix that. You know, he, they're just part of the, part of the community. Well, as he's driving on his milk route one day, 
he's going along, and he, he just sees something that just, my, my grandfather's super tenderhearted, and just, and just really just broke his heart, and I think really would any of us, as he sees that there was this dog that had been chained up, and this dog wanted to be free, and took off to, to, to get loose, but didn't factor in the chain part, and he wanted out of the fence, so the dog jumps the fence, but has a chain. Chain wasn't that long. So the dog ends up in his attempt to get free, jumps the fence, and is hanging on against the fence and has his back little paw barely touching the ground and is able to keep himself up and not choke. And he's just sitting there just struggling, just wanting to get free. And so my grandfather goes over, there's a big dog, and finally flops the dog over the fence and gets it back in there. You know, and the, and the dog wanted to be free. He kind of had the right mentality. This fence is holding me back, and I need to get past this fence. But there was a core issue that needed to be dealt with first. That chain needed to be dealt with first. And see, so many times we have people in, all around who want to be free and do it on their own terms, but they don't let God come in and break the chains first. And we try to set ourselves free, and we end up making things Worse, playing in the rain is about embracing that Jesus is the one that brings the freedom. God is the one that understands how to do this. He's the one who can lead us in to real freedom. We keep looking at this passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 3. We're going to look at verse 17 and 18. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's lordship two times already. This concept of him being in control, us being submitted, him having his, his rule and reign in our lives where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where we let him be Lord, we have freedom in that place. Any place we don't let him be Lord, we don't have freedom. And you can try to make your own freedom and it's going to be worse. And I, honestly, we, if we wanted to t- take a little, uh, little time around and go around, we could... Tell story after story out of our own lives where we tried to set ourselves free and made things worse. Why? Because he is the only one that can set us free. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. As we think about his goodness, who he is, how much he's for us and with us, then we begin to be transformed into that image that we're thinking about. We think about him and his goodness, and it begins to have an impact on our lives. I tell you what, you want to stay stuck. In fact, maybe you even want to go backwards. You contemplate your own misery. You contemplate your own brokenness. You contemplate your own things, and you will stay stuck there. You want to begin to grow as a Christ follower? Contemplate, think on the glory of God. Think on what he's done in your life. Think on his love for you. Think on those different things, and you'll begin to step into a deeper place of the transformation that God wants to bring into your life. And a transformation not into the image you've crafted, but into his image. That is where this comes, and it comes with ever-increasing glory. It comes from Him. 
See, Jesus came to set us free and to lead us into more freedom. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. He comes to give us freedom and then lead us into even more freedom. And it reminds me of the story of Peter in Acts chapter 12. Peter gets arrested for being a Christ follower, for preaching the gospel. He's stirring up some trouble. And he finds himself inside a prison chained between two guards with a death sentence on his head. And he's about to be executed the next morning. And Peter is asleep. I would like that kind of peace. That if I was supposed to be executed the next morning, the last thing in the world I want to do is to rush morning coming. You know where you get so excited, the kids want to go on vacation and you're leaving in the morning and you go, go to sleep, go to sleep and it'll be here that quick. And then you have the little commercial, I'm too excited to sleep. And so I've been there tons of times. Well, I'm telling you, what an amazing place of peace that Peter is asleep between two guards and is supposed to be killed the next day. And an angel shows up in the middle of the night, pokes Peter, rouses him up, and says, and his chains fell off. Well, then the, the angel tells him, get dressed, puts on his clothes, gets everything on, and begins to lead him in ever-increasing freedom. Walks through the next door of the prison, walks through the next door of the prison. Finally, they get to the big gates, and it says, then the doors opened by themselves. And Peter walks out completely free. But first, the chains had to come off. First, the chains had to come off. We have to deal with that, that root thing that keeps us locked down over and over again. See, Proverbs 15.32. I love the way the message translation puts this, that an undisciplined and self-willed life is puny. It's small. It's ineffective. An obedient, God-willed life is spacious. It's big. It has options. Let's really think about this for a second. Let's think about the options that are available for Brandon Clark if we only do what things Brandon Clark can do. Or let's think about the things that Brandon Clark has access to if Brandon Clark hooks up with God and we have access to things God has access to. It doesn't take a genius to figure out the other one's going to be a much bigger life. But for some reason, we keep defaulting back over and over again to our own self-willed, self-centered lives. Instead of saying, God, I believe my biggest life is found in putting myself completely in your hands. That is where our biggest, most beautiful life exists. Jesus challenges his disciples and the followers in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do what I say? If I'm going to be your Lord, then that means you're going to have to listen to me. You're going to have to, to take my coaching. You're going to have to think that I know a little more than you, and you're going to have to let me guide your life. That means there are going to be things that you want to do that I'm going to guide you to do something different. 
There are going to be things that you're going to think are okay that I'm going to say that are not. There are things that you're going to think are not okay that I'm going to lead you in to say that's actually a place of freedom. And we have to recognize that. See, letting Jesus be Lord of our lives means letting Him show us how to live in love. It's letting Him show us how to do this. We think we've got this down. And we're like, God, I've got this figured out. And I want God in my life to bless my plan. God, I've got a pretty good plan. Sadly, my boss don't cooperate with it. My family don't cooperate with it. Nobody seems to cooperate with my plan. But God, if you could just get on my side here and bless my plan, I think things would be pretty good. When really what we need to do is say, God, I believe your plan is the best. And what I want to do every morning is to lean in and lean my ear towards you and say, God, what, what's your plan for the day? What is your plan? And I want to be a part of that and connect with that because that's what's going to be life-changing. That's what's going to be life-giving. Romans chapter 5. We're going to start in here, and I just want to remind you as we read through this. We're going from the end of 5 to the first of part of chapter 6. Okay, And just remind you, we all know this, but when Paul wrote his letters, he was not breaking them up into chapters and was not numbering his sentences. Okay, He just wrote. Okay, So one chapter leads into the next chapter, and we broke it down so we could find things when we wanted to talk about them. Okay, So one thought leads into the next thought. So we're going to start in verse 19. It says, For, as, <clears throat> for just as, the, as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners. This is referring back to the fall of humanity there in Genesis with Adam and Eve. It says, So also... Through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. That's Jesus. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. God's grace was not going to allow sin to get the upper hand. Humanity kept throwing more sin on the pile, and God keeps throwing more grace on the pile. And so it always, always, grace is going to win in this thing. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is grace wins. Sin can get piled up and grace comes in and wins. It gets piled up more. Well, man, those who kind of get freaked out by this whole concept of grace, um, they begin to think that, man... Is this a license to kind of do whatever you want? Well, just sin, just to kind of do whatever you want because grace is just going to come in and, and take care of it. So just kind of live however you want to live. Well, Paul addresses that, and I really am kind of sad that we break this at 6 and we break it. I wish that it flowed a little better so that we could get this picture of this beautiful picture of the bigness of grace and then how we what should be the proper response to the grace of God. So now we're going to look at 6 chapter 1. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We're those who have died to sin so that we may live. So <clears throat> how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and 
into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. But we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. The chain has been broken. We've been set free. So now lordship is letting him lead us into deeper places of freedom. We're set free. We're like, we're like Peter in the inner prison. Boom, the chains fall off. And now the Spirit of God is going to lead us into deeper places of freedom. Where we move into the next place of freedom and the next place of freedom and the next place of freedom. That's what grace is. Grace means we can focus on the fact that life has been given to us instead of freaking out that we're still dealing with some stuff. How many times have our Christian walks been paused or stopped because there was something in our lives that we knew didn't line up with the image of Jesus and we finally said, I can't deal with this, forget it. Forget it. We start focusing on the unpleasant stuff, the stuff that doesn't fully reveal Jesus, and then we just stop. Grace says, no, that's dealt with. Let's move deeper into freedom. It's for freedom that he came. That was why he set us free. He says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. See, Jesus is the author of our faith. He wants to help us. To live free. Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. The scriptures recognize that this stuff can, can come at us, it can easily ensnare us if we focus on that stuff and we give ourselves to it. But instead, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on that says, Christ has done it. Focus on that. Let that be your mantra. Let that be what you're focused on. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Move into freedom. And let us run with endurance the race that's set out before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We're about to have baptisms in just a minute. These people that are stepping into a place of baptism are recognizing that Jesus is the author of their salvation. That they're not the ones who've done it, but it's him. And I pray that when they come out of those waters of baptism, they recognize that he's also the finisher. This isn't sitting there that they have now made some sort of public commitment that they're going to do something awesome for God, but they're going to let God do, continue to do something awesome for them. That it is this place of submittal. See, nobody baptizes themselves. Nobody baptizes. It's, it's a beautiful picture of submission. It's a beautiful picture of lordship. Nobody baptizes themselves. You release yourself into someone's hand, someone who is a representative of the body of Christ. And then the arms of Jesus through his body then lower you there into that water 
It's not holy water. It's just San Angelo water. In a pool. It's not even pretty. But what is beautiful is the declaration that takes place that says, I recognize that Jesus is Lord. And I put my, my arms and my life and my, my will and everything into his hands. And I, I let myself be baptized. And I let that, that old man be buried. And I recognize that I am brought out into newness of life. I don't claw my way out of the waters of baptism to somehow get life. I'm brought into new life. That is what the beautiful act of baptism is about. It is a public recognition of what has already taken place in these people's lives. It is saying, you're Lord, and I'm going to let you be the author and finisher of our faith. See, I love that we're following Jesus when we go into the waters of baptism. Let's go ahead and look here in Matthew 3.13. We can go ahead and have the band go ahead and come. And those who are going to be baptized, you can go ahead and begin to get ready. We're going to look at Jesus' baptism. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says, And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. If there was anybody who could dunk themselves, it would be Jesus. Jesus could baptize himself. He could go out in the Jordan River and go down and come up and say, I'm baptized. But it's not the way it works. In fact, John had a hard time with this. And it says, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness, to do what's right. It's proper. It is this beautiful submission that Jesus modeled for all of us. I love it that when Jesus' baptism takes place at the, at the, before his public ministry is launched. Jesus is not fed the 5,000 when he's baptized. He's not healed a whole bunch of people when he's baptized. He's not done all these amazing things. He's certainly not gone to the cross and provided salvation for the entire world. He has lived a life with his mother and his stepdad. He's grown and he's ready to step into his ministry. Done nothing from what we understand typical Jesus ministry to earn all this stuff. This isn't a sign of completion. This is a sign of beginning. And so with that in mind, let us look at this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. With him I'm well pleased. I pray you hear that today. Those of you that are getting baptized, I pray you hear that today. You're his beloved child. He's well pleased with you. Not because of some list of things that you've done. Not because you've performed all these things in his name. But simply because you've 
pulled into him as daddy. You recognize that this new birth is about you being a part of a, of a family. You recognize what Jesus did on your behalf, that it was his death that covered your death, and it's now his life that you're like. And I pray that you hear that. I pray you hear the, the Holy Spirit whisper that in your, in your heart, that you're his beloved child. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.